anyway, that's the situation why I'm here. And I'm going through a series with the youth on the book of Genesis in regards to the life of Joseph. And so we're looking, this is kind of like a big overall whole part of a series that you're just getting in the middle of. So anyway, uh, we're going to be in chapter 45. And this is kind of like the, really the climax of the story where J this is the big reveal. So Joseph is going to reveal himself to his brothers. But, but before we even get into that, I, I have some things that I wanted to talk about in regard to, to the maneuverings and and things i mean you have to know that joseph was doing something there when his brothers kept coming to egypt and he's not revealing himself and he's arranging things in a certain way and he has an agenda obviously he does he has a there's a point to it i don't mean an agenda in a negative way but he has a point to what he's trying to do and, uh, and we'll talk through a little bit about that before we actually get into chapter 45, because this kind of, this is the time to take a, bit, a step back and look back what we were at, so that, because once we get onto the 45 thing, that the emotional part of that is just amazing, and we kind of forget about all the rest. Anyway, so let's look at the Lord in prayer. Father, we just pray that you would help us as we do this very important thing in looking into your word, because your word is great and powerful, and and uh, one that we can rely on. So we give you praise for that. Thank you for giving us your word and uh, giving us the ability to even read it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, Joseph was doing what he was doing to arrange events in a certain way because he was trying to get a certain outcome. And I think it was really uh, God-ordained. I mean, the whole thing. And, and uh, this, this process actually costs Joseph a lot of emotional toil. I mean, in verse 2, he just loses it all. In fact, it tells him in chapter 45, verse 1, to, to you know, get all the Egyptians out. I mean, he's just literally in, in, broken emotionally. And so, obviously, that wasn't easy for him to go through when he's, you know, acting mean to his brothers and, or, well, just not revealing himself and, and all that. So, uh, I want to talk through some of these, and not all of these are positive issues here that, that, that what Joseph's arranging was doing, but, but it was good for it to happen. Number one, I would just remind all of us who are part of this, is that the, the guilty conscience of the brothers. You know, when they first were confronted with this mean guy who's in charge of Pharaoh's, you know, Household, or not as his household, but all the, the, the resources. I mean, all the food resources in the whole known world of the, of the time. Uh, they, they thought, their immediate thought was, this difficulty was because of their sin of 22 years before, about 22 years before, and this is in chapter 42. Why are they thinking about that? I mean, 22 years went by, that's almost a generation, and you know, things have long gone. Well, you know what? It wasn't, it, in some of those, I'm sure in some of the brothers' minds, it was just like yesterday, and they can still hear the brother calling them and their, their hardened hearts for it. We also, we've talked about leadership through this series too, and we saw, we see the absolute ineffective leadership of Reuben, and he, he tries to be the leader, but nobody believed, nobody, I mean, it's almost as if he, uh, he just actually, in point of fact, he was ignored. 
and uh, even when he offers certain things. And, and, and so really his position as firstborn mattered very little. Now, why would that be? And we take ourselves back into that context in which they were in, they, they would, that's a very unusual thing. I was, I thought, or I confronted this, uh, this kind of a mentality when I first was going to India. And I was going to India in the summertime while I was uh, teaching in Jamaica during the rest of the school year. And so here's this American guy and people are finding out who I am and, and things like that. And I'm meeting sometimes the deacons of the church or church leadership there and stuff. And so they want to know who this guy is. And they also want to know what my birth order was. So, so are you the oldest in your family? Are you the oldest son? I said, no. Uh, no, actually, I have an older brother. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, almost not quite dismissive, but you know what? We didn't quite get the best one. You know, I mean, that's kind of what they were thinking there, you know, because, because he's not the oldest one. So, okay, it's all right. But, you know, and, and this should have mattered to, jo to Joseph's brothers and his family. Reuben should have been respected, but he wasn't. And we know why there's that immorality there that uh, jo Jacob will mention when he, in chapter 49, when he talks up through all of the brothers and their blessings and, and, uh, and their unblessings, you might say, too. But then we also see number three is the complete transformation of Judah's character from chapter 37. Judah is the one who's had the idea, hey, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off of this. Let's sell him. And uh, I'm sure jo Joseph could recognize who that was, who's saying all this. And then in chapter 38, here's his, he, the beginning of a transformation in, in Judah's life. And Judah, we think of as, you know, hey, the tribe of Judah, that's David, and, you know, the blessings and all that stuff. We think that, why would they choose Judah? Because Judah wasn't that good of a person, really. Well, he wasn't, but he did have a transformation. He was confronted with a sin in chapter 38, and instead of sweeping it under the carpet, which he very easily could have done, he had all the power and ability to do it. And instead, he said, no, I admit my sin. You know, she's more righteous than I. And, and, and I think that set the stage for something, because when Reuben offered himself to, to Jacob to, you know, to take Benjamin down and be in charge, you know, that doesn't matter at all. When, when Judah offered, Hey, I will take. I will be in charge of the boy, and and I will, um, you know, my life for his. I mean, you know that. And then Joseph gave him the opportunity to actually act on that, and guess what? Joseph, what Judah did. He said, "Hey, look." And as far as Judah is concerned, what he was doing was he was condemning himself to a life of slavery or in prison. I mean, he didn't know that was his brother. So, so all of these things come together, and Judah comes out as really the leader of the brothers in, in, uh, in Canaan, you might say. And so, and we, we really spend a lot of time on that. And, and we're in chapter 45, but the, just the previous few verses to that in the end of chapter 30, sorry, 44, uh, and here jo Judah is explaining to Joseph, his own brother, though he doesn't know about it, uh, that, hey, it shall come to pass when he sees that the lad is not with us. This is when Judah, Joseph has said, hey, this, this one who stole, he has to stay, but the rest of you can go. And Judah says, no, wait a minute. I'll, I'll stay in his place. I'll take his place. Just, just let him go. And that's just amazing. It come to pass when he, the father, 
that's Jacob, sees the lad is not with us, that he will die. And the servants shall bring forth the gray hairs of thy servant upon our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant, he says, I, he's talking about himself, became surety, a guarantee for the lad unto my father, saying, if I bring him not unto thee, then I will bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide here. Let me stay here instead of the lad as a, as, a, as a servant or a bondman, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brother. For, I shall go, for how shall I go up to my father? I can't face my father. You know what? And, and you know, we think, well, you know, the story works out okay. Well, jo Judah didn't know that. And so, so you know, if he's going to be the leader, uh, here's the real test of that. And actually, that made a lot of, that was it for, for Joseph in, in what he was trying to do. What Judah did made the, you know, now he can have the reveal. So that, that was significant too. So complete transformation of Judah's character from the one who suggested selling Judah, uh, sorry, Joseph. You know, I mentioned to the teens that there are so many names with J's here in the Hebrew, and uh, you know, I mean, yet the Hebrew language has no letter for J. So I just wonder about that, you know, Judah, Joseph, Jeremiah, Jehoshaphat, I mean, there's just a lot of them. I haven't figured that out yet, but anyway. Uh, the brother's willingness to consign Simeon to prison. <laughs> I thought that was interesting too, because when, when he first uh, went down here, you go back and you get your brothers, I'll keep one of them here. And uh, they just said, well, that's fine. <laughs> and they were willing to stay and uh, remain bound in, uh, they were willing for him to stay bound in Egypt while they stayed up there. And they weren't real quick on coming back. In fact, they had to wait till they ran out of food and Jacob encouraged them. And then number five, I thought this was interesting too. Jacob's refusal, now this is the father, Jacob's refusal to learn his lesson of not favoring one or more of his sons. It is clear that Jacob at this point undisguisedly favored Benjamin about, above all the other brothers. And so here, you could say that this is actually kind of the root of the problem right from the very beginning, although Joseph obviously didn't help issues in chapter 37 when he's boasting about all these dreams he had. I mean, if he thought, you know, that didn't go over the first time, maybe I should keep my mouth shut about the second one. Well, he didn't, so, you know. Uh, but but um, if, you know, sometimes we want an unfair situation in our lives to be resolved. And you know what? God did not grant that to the brothers. Never. You think about this, I put on the top of my paper here, this is a dysfunctional family. It really is. I mean, not just because quite a few of them have different mothers than the other ones, but, but also because of the, 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 the dynamics of it. And you know what? There's some, a lot of dysfunctional families and, and uh, you know, in one sense, we're all dysfunctional because we're all sinners and uh, that, but you know, there's some tough cases out there, but you know what, there's, the Bible has things in, uh, in there for us to learn. And here's an issue that, hey, justice is not served here. You know what, God just says, you're gonna have to live with this. That's interesting. Okay, and then number six, and finally, and we'll get into this here. The brother's acceptance without resentment of their father's unfair favoritism. You know, it was very resented with Joseph. Here, now, especially with Judah, sort of the representative example there, they're willing to do anything to protect their father's favoritism of the, father, of the favored son. 
I mean, anything. Hey, look, if I have to stay here the rest of my life, I'll never see my children again. I'll never see my grandchildren again. Probably they're pretty old at this time. I'll never see my wife again or whatever. That's just the way it's going to be because I made a promise and something is more important. This is more important than even my life, than in, in even my, fam my own family. So, so uh, that's a change. Guess what changed? You want to say, okay, well, here's the problem. You know, Joseph, J Jacob is favoring his son, one of his, more of his sons. That never gets changed. What changes? It's the heart of the brothers. And actually that's, I think if, and I, it's not original with me. I read it somewhere and I don't remember where, but that's what Joseph was trying to do. He was trying to put the situation in such a way to see if his brothers would abandon their favorite, the other favored son to get to, to uh, in, in regard to a situation that would benefit them. And he arranged it. And you know what? It probably, I don't know, it didn't take this many times, but Joseph was probably saying, hey, look, I'll just keep doing this until I can isolate them and do what, I, do what I'm doing. And I want to see, have they learned their lesson? Are they going to abandon uh, the one they hate anyway or whatever? And they didn't hate Jake, uh, Benjamin. In fact, they, uh, especially through Joseph, did everything they could to preserve him. All right, so anyway, in the story, there's several appropriate times that Joseph excuse me, could have revealed himself, including the first time they came down there. But he stayed with God's plan to some emotional cost, as we'll see about here. And, uh, you know, there were, in many ways, this, this really, chapter 45, is the climax of the story. And uh, this has been, everything's been building to this point and i guess i would love if i could go back in history i mean i've locked i mean i study history that's kind of my thing and there's a couple of times in history where i thought i wonder what it'd be like to be there you know you know martin luther pounding on that the the 95 thesis to the wall or the door in, in wittenberg or or other times like this but you know what this probably is one of the most well the you know, resurrection of Christ would be awesome too. This is the most important event in all of human history ever. But uh, this has got to be up in the top three to me anyway. I'd love to see what it was like when he revealed himself to his brothers. And uh, uh, I mean, if, just think it from their perspective. It's bad enough they sold their brother into slavery. It's even worse to realize that now he was the one, the dreaded powerful ruler in Egypt standing before them who had the power of life and death over them. And uh, now we could wonder, is Joseph going to repeat his mistake of chapter 37? Hey guys, I told you so, remember? I all the sheets bowing down and, and all of that, you know? Hey, that, that, what are you looking at now? What are you guys on your, you know, knees for here? I mean, you know, but he didn't do that. In fact, actually he was gracious. Uh, Joseph could have made him suffer, but he, but, but he learned what he needed to know. Mm -hmm. Hey, they, they've, they've, they've transformed. Honestly, they transformed. And of course, there's a major transformation going on from Joseph's life all the way through. Am I going to accept God's plan, even though it's awful? I mean, who wants to be a slave? And then you move from being a slave to being in prison, and that's not a step up, and you know, all of that. So, so but he had continually had to have that. Some people like to call Joseph a type of Christ. I don't because the New Testament doesn't call him a type of Christ. So, but, but he certainly pictures some, some amazing things. But he's of 
a sinful person just like the rest of us too, and that's why I think you know, you know we don't give him more than. But but he did show himself really to the rest of his life, genuine, compassionate, forgiven, forgiving, and most important, gracious. You know, undeserved kindness. If the brothers ever are deserved, even after Joseph died, a little bit of of uh, rough treatment, it would have been very well deserved. But he didn't. Okay, so uh, it's just also interesting to me that uh, that you know whether how much Joseph understood the whole plan and purpose. He did by this verse, by this chapter, he did. Whether he did even by when, um, when he was manipulating circumstances with, a, with his brothers, I don't know if he understood all of that. But it certainly uh, means that God was quite willing for Joseph to live somewhere between 13 and 22 years without a full understanding of why he had to suffer the difficulties he did. Now, he gets it here, and we know for sure because he's going to articulate that, you know. So it was not you that sent me hither, verse 8 of chapter 45, but God. Wow, how could he say that? That was Judah opening his big mouth and saying, hey, let's, get, let's sell them to these Ishmaelites. No, it wasn't. It was God. Can you imagine that when you, when, I mean, the resentment that's so easily built up there. But, but anyway, and human nature being what it is, he still had to choose to accept it as God's will and refuse to be bitter about it. So anyway, what we need to see here in this, and I have not been looking at the time, sorry. I'm on strict orders here, and I'm not sure what Caleb's going to do, but anyway. Uh, uh, we could be very bitter about the past, and, uh, but this is not what God uh, had for Joseph, and Joseph embraced it. So I think we're, you know, the point here is, is that we have to learn that God is in control no matter how much evil is present. And, and let's look at some of these things. We won't get through all of this because I got way too much stuff here. But, but anyway, we can believe that because, first of all, you know, God is in control no matter how much evil is present. Why? Because our evil, our evil, is never secret. And then let's look at that in verses 1 through 3. It says, Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. These would be the, the, the people that were around in his court. And he cried... Let, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. So they leave the room and Joseph is just wailing here. So even you could see, uh, Joseph was not enjoying the manipulation that he was doing to isolate his brothers, to get them to see, would they abandon one of the, 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 the favorite in, in order to benefit themselves? And uh, Judah had proven that just in the previous verses. And so he said, and, and you know, he, what did he want? Well, it looks like to me he wanted to reveal himself. He couldn't wait for that to happen. And when he finally gets to do that, he just can't control himself emotionally at all. So it, I don't think Joseph is enjoying that part at all. But, but I think he was, he was spirit-led in this to, to, to probe the hearts of the brothers. And, and you know what? Before this all happened, we don't know what the brothers would have done. You know what? The brothers didn't even know what they would have done. It's interesting, when, when this whole thing came about, all the brothers went back into Egypt 
to, to plead for, for Benjamin and not just Judah. Judah was the one who stepped up and said, hey, take me instead. But all the brothers went back. They, oh, you, the rest of you can go. No, they all went back. I think that mattered. And, and uh, you don't sometimes know what you're really going to do until the time comes. That's why uh, we don't, well, you know, what's, what's going to happen if some bad thing happens? Well, you don't have the grace to face that right now because it hasn't happened yet. But when the time comes, God can, will give you the grace. But, it, but in any case, our evil is never secret. Uh, and it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, verse 3. Doth my father yet live? And his brothers could not answer them, for they were troubled at his presence. I mean, we cannot believe this. Now, wait a minute. How did you find out? And what in the world? How did you learn Hebrew? And what in the world is going on here? I mean, they just... Um, and Joseph doesn't have a beard. I think he's already shaved and stuff, so he doesn't even look like, like a, a Hebrew person. But, but how is this... Joseph. I mean, of all the people, I mean, the, the brothers are terrified anyway, right? Because this is, this is the, the, you know, the, the, the henchman of Pharaoh or whatever. This guy, is a, he's, he's persecuting us. And uh, so they're also kicking themselves for being so forthright about their family. And why did we tell them <laughs> we even had another brother and all that? But, but, uh, but they're speechless here, and they're very, very worried. So... God can control the evil. You know that? God can control the evil. We can, we can trust in God no matter how much evil is present. And our evil or anybody's evil is never secret. And so here the thing that they thought was buried, I mean, they still haven't told Jacob about this, but, but here the secret they thought was buried for over you know, some 22 years is now wide open. And in fact, <laughs> all the Pharaoh and I mean they we're gonna find out that they find out about it too and they're they're rejoicing with Joseph but uh, what they thought would never come out and you know they had I mean how hard is it for you to keep a secret especially if there's guilt here are ten brothers probably obviously Benjamin not a part of this and they were able to keep a secret for 22 years you know they must have I mean, Joseph suffered a lot, okay? But they didn't go unsuffering too. They, they weren't not suffering, I guess you could say. Probably bad English, but, but they were suffering too. And uh, I mean, I'm not saying which one I would rather be, hopefully neither one. But the point is, is that, that uh, they had been tortured by this because it went right back to their mind. Something bad happens, oh, it's because we did this to Joseph. And um, so, uh, but anyway, uh, even in our own lives, uh, have you struggled with the way God is directing your life? Have you experienced an injustice that it seems God just wants you to forgive and forget about? Wait a minute, that's not what I, my expectations are. Say, <laughs> I want to see the rights wronged, or the wrongs righted, sorry. <laughs> Remember that uh, if that's the case for you, that God's not asking you to do something that he has not already asked others to do or he has not done himself with you. I mean, how in the world could we ever make up to God all the things that we've done to him and our abandonment of our principles or our, 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 our 
so quickly we, we throw away our, our close fellowship with God for some fleeting thing that doesn't satisfy us. And, and he sees us and it's going to happen again. And he knows it's going to happen again, but he still lovingly welcomes us. I mean, so anyway, so let's not, let's not uh, let anything hinder our walk with the Lord. Because sometimes, you know, something happens to us from somebody else and we blame God for that. Yeah, I mean because that person may be gone and out of our lives, but we can still, and we're facing the negative consequences from that, we can still be pretty upset about it, and, and we can blame God, and that's not right either. But anyway, if we are like those who are in this narrative, with Joseph especially, the desire for transformation in you is as strong as it was with Joseph's and his brothers, neither the passage of time nor the risk of embarrassment should thwart us from, from completing the cycle of repentance. The cycle of repentance says, hey, I did wrong, and I'm willing to suffer the consequences. And uh, I mean, I wonder what they were thinking of. Okay, this, it's Joseph. This is the absolute worst thing ever. It's Joseph. It really is Joseph. We are so dead. I mean, how, in the, how long is he going to preserve our life and make us suffer for this? This is, I mean, we thought it was bad what we did, but now this, this can't get any worse. This is the absolute worst thing. And so what does Joseph have to do? Uh, Joseph said to his brother, I mean, they're troubled at his presence. Now, this is not a good thing. And um, this is another reason we see in our text here, verses 4 and following, that we need to trust that God... Uh, is in control no matter what, how much evil is present because God can work in spite of our evil. And I, I mean, these are things you are intuitive for us to know, at least from a Sunday school knowledge, but to actually put into practice. Joseph, verse 4, said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, probably a little bit trembling, like, Oh dear, uh, he's going to bring back all those people back in the room and our heads are going to be hitting the floor before we even close the door. And he says, I pray you. And they came near and he says, I am Joseph. Now, why is he saying it again? Because they're incredulous about this. How? What? Well, this, this is incredible. This is terrible. And he said, no, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Now, what is he doing here? Think about this. What is he doing? Hey, I'm all right with this. I'm okay. I forgive you. No, he's comforting his brothers. You know, I think he has some sort of idea of, of uh, well, he certainly isn't thinking about his own suffering anyway. He's comforting his brothers. He's comforting his, his lifelong tormentors. Is this not the way it is? I mean, every bad thing that happened. He, you might say, well, he's the second in control in, in Egypt. They're two years into the famine. They've had seven years of good of plenty. So, so the last nine years have been pretty good in Joseph's life. But you know what? The previous to that, the 13 years before that, those were pretty horrible years. And why was that? Because the brothers had done this. These was his tormentors. Everything in his whole life had, had turned on that. I don't know that he ever saw, perhaps, God's whole plan until he saw his brothers for the first time. You know, oh, wait a minute. They're here for food. If I didn't have all of this collection, 
what would happen to my brothers? Now you think about, and they're going to talk about the flocks and herds quite a bit here. Why is that so important, so devastating? Well, uh, as being pastoralists, you know, with the flocks and herds, you have a, a, I mean, all your money or all your wealth is tied up in, in your animals, what you can buy and sell and, and, and gain goods from. But you know what? If your inventory dies because there's nothing to feed him, you have no wealth. I mean, it's not a hugely, you know, currency-based situation with them. Their wealth is in their flocks and herds, and that's all they have. And so a famine would be not just devastating, but it'd be catastrophic. And, uh, and you know, of course, we know that can't happen. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, they don't know exactly all of that yet, but, but uh, what Israel's going to become. But it was all part of God's plan. In fact, not one of the 12 brothers could have died here. Not one of them. Why? Because they are part of the, the descendants. And, and, uh, so, and none of them had. But anyway, God can work in spite of our evil. And so here he's comforting that don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me hither for God did send me before you to preserve life. Now, whether Joseph's realizing this now or just maybe even a few months before, I don't know that he, that he really understood the whole thing. Hey, you know, this has been pretty good living for the last while, and I'm really glad for that. This is, I should write a bestseller. This is going real well. No, there was a, big, a bigger purpose in mind, and, uh, and he certainly gets it now. For these two years hath a famine been in the land, and yet there are five years which shall be, there shall be neither earing, or that is the ripening of fruit, uh, or crops, nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity. Now, what's he talking about? So that our, your family lineage doesn't die out. And God, in his wisdom, knew that, he, that every one of those 12 brothers were essential to the, for, the, for what he was planning, what he had promised to Abraham and Isaac. And so every one of them were, were key. In the, uh, so to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now here he, you know, I mean, it's just right, basically two generations before God made these promises to Abraham. Now, I realize they lived a lot longer than now, back then than they do now. So it's not just 60 years or something like that. But, but, it, but still, when you're looking at the family generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of a sudden we have this cataclysmic uh, incident that could just throw the whole thing off and God was in charge of all of this and and there was some evil going on the brothers and and all the rest and yet God was letting them know look this is at the most important juncture Abraham Isaac Jacob and now it's going to start to get you know 12 sons now we got uh, 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 the possibility of a great nation and that's going to be in jeopardy and I'm going to show you that I'm in control. And this is something that the later generations can look back on. Oh, man, that famine, oh, that could have wiped them all out. So verse 8, now it was not you that sent me thither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh. That is like a counselor or, or, or somebody like that. Uh, and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, come on and see my new castle and uh, this and this and this and uh, how wonderful. I'm telling you that because he's just going to talk about the glory. But, but, but that's not really what we're thinking of and, and what he was thinking of either. Haste and go up to my father and say unto him, thus, 
saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord over all Egypt, come down unto me and tarry not. Now, why was that important? Well, and, and God would reveal to Jacob directly, yes, you should go down to Egypt. And he needed to do that because otherwise, why would he have ever left the promise? This is the promise to my grandfather, my father, and to me. This is our land. I'm not going to leave it. But, but actually, Joseph is saying here, this is the part of the plan to preserve you, is to bring you down here. Okay, and uh, um, hasten, go up to my father. That's okay. Uh, come down uh, and tell me, don't, don't, don't wait, end of verse 9. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, thy flocks and thy herds, and all that thou hast, you're going to be taken care of here. And of course, Goshen was probably the place that Joseph had planned because it's near enough, but also far enough because the Egyptians worshiped the cows and all that. So anyway, the sacrificial system probably wouldn't go over too well there. So anyway, again, I'm thinking of India too, where you have these cows walking around everywhere. And uh, they don't take care of them, but anyway, they worship them. So um, verse 11, and there I will nourish thee for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household, they're still in jeopardy here. Hey, the famine isn't even half over yet, okay? We got another year and a half before it's even half over. Uh, so, so this is how you're going to get preserved. Thy household and all that thou house come to poverty. You don't want that. Verse uh, tw uh, 12, and behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Gen Benjamin, that is, the, that is my mouth that speaketh unto you. You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and all that thou hast seen, and thou shalt haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell on his, bro uh, his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck, and moreover he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. It wasn't like, okay, there's, there's, there's Judah, and it's going to be awkward here because Judah is the one that said this. No, it wasn't that way at all. This is a heart of forgiveness and a heart of, of joy and grace. Yeah, something that's probably very foreign to us just thinking about how that could be. And after that, his brethren talked with him and his fame was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Yeah, that Joseph, he's a pretty smart guy. Figured out this whole famine thing. It's been great. And, and Joseph is actually going to be brilliant for Pharaoh because uh, when the people run out of food, they bring their money to Pharaoh. Then when they run out of the money, they bring their land to Pharaoh. I mean, this is the most best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, that's good. He got his family. That's really good. So um, Pharaoh says, go do this, you know. And uh, oops, I'm out of time. So anyway, we'll just stop here. But, but God can work in spite of our evil. And in some ways we look around our country and our world and that's just about all we see that's certainly all the that's reported anyway because you know good things don't always make the news hey so-and-so was really nice to so-and-so <laughs> well whatever you know but you know we hear about all the the horrible things and uh and yet god can still work in that god's still in control and uh, i've got some other applications here but i'll probably share that with with some of the youth later though. Okay, that's all we'll do for now. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to even revisit one of the most popular and, and uh, enriching stories in the Old Testament. And we just give you praise because it's not just a story or a myth or, or uh, uh, a legend, but it actually is true. And Father, that makes it so clear and helpful to all of us because we all can understand those relationships and we can all understand 
what you're doing here and uh, and the transformation that you saw and uh, most of all in the life of Joseph. We give you praise for that and we pray that you would help us to internalize that as well when we are faced with difficulty. In Jesus' name, amen.